I'm super excited that you can join us for the fourth week of my teaching, Dangerous Prayers. And listen, do me a favor. If you've missed the first three weeks of teaching, I want to encourage you, find some time, go to our website, nbccbarrier.com, right here on the screen, and make sure you catch up on the first three weeks of teaching. I, I just believe God will use this series to literally, literally change your life. Actually, that's the whole premise behind this series. That if you pray the prayers that I'm teaching you to pray, dangerous prayers. Go ahead, type that in the chat. Dangerous prayers that God will use these prayers to radically transform your life and radically transform your experience of God as you're living through this life. All right, let's jump into the teaching for the day. And uh, the teaching for the day comes from Isaiah chapter six. The first eight verse of this chapter is about Isaiah saying yes to the God call in his life. He's being called into prophetic ministry and, and God has there is a God call. Come on, you type it in the chat. God call for each and every one of us. And it's not just confined to religion. It, the, the, the whole earth is the temple of God. And so, so all of the infrastructure that, that drives life across the earth, is, I want to call it it's temple work. It's sacred work. And, and God has a God call for each of us. Notice this. Let's look at how Isaiah responds here. He says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah writes, here am I, send me. There is the reading. So here's the deal, guys. You know, if you've been walking with me for the past several weeks, you've been learning some new dangerous prayers. I, I taught you how to pray this particular prayer. Lord, make me more honorable. And then together we learn how to pray, Lord, make my life more weighty. Last weekend, we learned this prayer, Lord, take me deeper. And in praying that prayer, we said, God, I want to grow in my intimacy with you. I want to know you better, love you more. And God, I want to grow in my capacity, my, my spiritual depth and, and my experience of your power in my life. God, take me deeper. Now, here's the deal, guys. When you start praying these kind of prayers, dangerous prayers, you begin to recognize over time a real shift in your interior world. And you'll wake up one day and you'll discover that God is no longer on the margins of your life. That God is no longer simply an incidental religious act, right? That God has moved into the very center of your life. As a matter of fact, God wants someone to hear him say through me to you today. That that's exactly right. God is saying, I want to move from the margins of your life to the very center and when you start thinking about your dreams and start thinking about your ambitions, when you start making plans, I, I want that thinking to begin, God says, with God. With God. That's a remarkable shift in how we begin to engage life. You know why? Because God says, I've got some, I, I, if you let me lead you, you can't imagine the future I have for you. You know, when you start praying these dangerous prayers, you'll begin to realize that you're releasing more and more of the control that you have so uh, tightly held on to, or at least tried to of your life, you'll begin to release more and more of that to the God of the universe, who we know and worship through the person of Jesus Christ, to the power of his spirit. Yeah. <laughs> the one who made you knows what he wants to do with your life in this world. And then lastly, but certainly not least, here's a major shift that will begin to happen as well. The trajectory of your praying ultimately 
will shift from a mindset of the needy. In other words, you know, oftentimes most of our prayers, they are safe in this way. We're simply asking God to do everything that we need done. Lord, here's my need. I need you to help with my kids. I need you to provide me with a job. I need you to, you know, to facilitate uh, stuff that's going on, on, my, on my, in my career, right? Needy. Now, I don't mean this in a negative way. God welcomes us in bringing our needs. He says, cast our cares upon him, for he cares for us. But, 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 but as we start praying more dangerously, we find that there's a shift in how we pray. And we move from, from this kind of needy category to, watch this, a brand new mindset where, in, in fact, it's about the needed, being needed. And we find ourselves shifting from here, God, here's what I need you to do uh, for me. To God, here am I. I'm available for whatever you desire to do through me. In other words, it's a mental posture that's captured in one word, this one word right here. Yes. Could you imagine starting your prayers with an attitude that actually says yes? And, 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 and after sharing all that you need to share with God, your prayer would end with a declaration that says yes. Okay, I can hear you asking right now, well, what do you mean by Yes. Well, when I say yes, I'm talking about the same kind of attitude that we find on the lips of Jesus when we hear him saying, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane at the, at the most difficult moment of his life. Not my will, but your will being done. Yeah. I, I, I'm saying that, that whatever prayer you want to pray, whatever, however you want to dialogue with God, that you start that dialogue that says, but here's my attitude. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to share my ambitions. I'm going to tell you what I really want. I'm going to wrestle with you with some things. But at the end of the day, God, my attitude is simply this. Not, my, not what I want, but what you want. Let that be done. And that will be the declaration that I will make at the end of this prayer. I'll, I'll, I'll lay it all out. And I'm going to say, God, let your will, not mine, be done. That's dangerous, guys. That's a dangerous. You, 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 God will take you some places with that prayer right there. It's how dangerous prayers. All right. This, what I'm describing, beginning this, this notion of yes, always starts with a God shift. Let me give you a definition of what I mean by God shift. It's, it's when your life is moving in one direction and suddenly, somebody shouts suddenly, type that in the chat. Suddenly, I like that word, God shifts. And sometimes it's subtly. God shifts either the destination of where you're going or God shifts the why for your journey. There's a shift that takes place. Now, we see this at the beginning of the story that we just finished reading about Isaiah. We see this notion of a God shift right here in Isaiah chapter verse one. Here's what it says. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I experienced my God shift. That's, 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 that's the translation here. It was in the year the King Uzziah died that, that, that I saw the Lord and I experienced my, 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 my God shift. You see, uh, uh, when I think about uh, Isaiah, uh, you know, he's a part of the nation of Judah. Uzziah is the king of the nation of Judah. And he ultimately uh, comes down with leprosy and he ultimately dies. Leaves the nation in tremendous chaos. Leaves it uh, violence and politically toxic and 
And, and it just seems like the, the, the culture is being turned upside down. Isaiah finds himself going into the temple there in Jerusalem. He's falling on his face and he's beginning to pray these prayers. Lord, here's, I, we, we need your help. We need you to come in. There's violence everywhere. We need, you to, we need you to come in. There's political instability that's happening. We need you. We need your protection. Our enemies are beginning to encroach upon us. Lord, I'm concerned about my family. He's, he's, thinking, about, he's thinking about all of his needs, right? And he finds himself on his face. In the temple. But by the time we get to the end of verse 8, he arises not praying about what he needs God to do. That's safe. That's safe, right? That's safe prayer because it's all about what I need God to do. It has nothing to do with me. It's all about what, what, how I need God to kind of power in. But, but he, 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 he exit out of that temple. Totally different. A God shift. Somebody saw God shift. Totally different. He's, 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 he's God, here am I. Send me. How do you want to use me in this situation? That's where God wants you. In your prayer life. Hmm. You know, when I uh, think about this kind of attitude of praying, two thoughts come to mind. First is the song that I grew up listening to, Baptist church I grew up in. and Sandra Crouch uh, uh, was the one who used to sing it. And the lyrics of the song was this. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Yes, Lord. Completely yes. My soul says yes. Wow. As a matter of fact, that's been kind of bubbling in my spirit. And the other thing I'm thinking about is I think about Isaiah there praying. He goes into the temple one way and he comes out another way. I, I'm thinking about my wife, Rhonda. This past Thursday, we celebrated another wonderful birthday for my wife, Rhonda. And uh, as you know, she's just remarkable and amazing. And when I think about Isaiah and I think about his God shift, I think about that song. Yes, Lord. Completely. Yes. I can't help but think about my wife. Rhonda, it's a great picture of her right here. She's in her medical court outside of the hospital there. Fabulous. And she has an Isaiah moment, but for her, it happens at 14 years old. And listen, guys, those of you in high school, the earlier you can have your Isaiah moment, the earlier you can have your first kind of Godship moment, the more powerful God can move in and through your life. For Ron, it happens at 14 years old. And she's in New Liberation Presbyterian Church in San Francisco, California, 1100 Divisadero. They've just had what we call a, a, a week of spiritual revival. Pastors come in and preach, and it made the incredible love and power of Jesus so profoundly clear to Rhonda. But as she started to think about the, the, her life and the struggle and, and all of the ups and downs and the tough ways that her life got started all the way to the end, Something exploded in her. She, 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 she knew afresh the love of Jesus, the reliability of his grace. And she found herself saying before God a commitment that she's kept till this day. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. 
If you just make it clear to me that it's you that's talking to me, uh, I will do it. I won't let family or friends or anyone persuade me. And in that moment, she was making a declaration from her heart. Her, the posture of her heart had shifted. She, she, she was beginning to, to pray an incredibly dangerous prayer. She was essentially saying, God, here am I, send me. She's, saying, she's essentially saying, God, my posture towards you will always be yes. Yes. And as, as I thought about Rhonda and I, and I thought about Isaiah and, 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 and I wanted to teach this, this dangerous prayer of, of saying, God, here am I, I'm, I'm available to you. And, but, but, but God says, no, 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 no. I, I want you to teach the prayer, but, but, but really spend the bulk of the time, not so much on the prayer, but on the process. What happened to Rhonda that caused that shift? What happened to the prophet Isaiah that he, he goes into the temple one way and he comes out having having that God shift? Because I want you to teach that because because whatever happened to Rhonda, whatever happened to Isaiah, God is saying there's some folk that's listening to you today that I want to do that same dramatic shift in their hearts. That more than them making an intellectual declaration, I I, want to do something in their lives that they will almost not be able to help but make a spiritual declaration. A yes, Lord, will be the posture of their heart. I I need that to be their posture because I've got some amazing, wonderful, incredible things I want to do with their lives. But I can't do it without that yes, Lord, posture. If I shout, yes, Lord. All right. The first thing in terms of what happened in Rhonda and what happened to Isaiah is what I want to call a God sighting. I'm going to shout God sighting. It's my definition of God sighting. It's when you recognize God's presence and power and love in, in, in a very real way in your life. It, it's a God sighting. My goodness. You know, uh, I was talking to my friend the other day and he'd come by and came all the way over from Boston to talk with me about some stuff. And we've been friends for years. And he said to me, he says, Herman, you know, you're always talking about the love of God and so forth and so on. And he says, I talk about it. He said, but I don't feel it. He said, I, I just, I don't, feel, I, I feel a lot of condemnation. I feel a lot of this. I feel a lot of that. I don't feel this love thing. And I said to my friend, I said, I'll just call him Jack. I said, Jack, Say this. I want you to teach you this. God, I don't feel your love, but I see your love. In the year the king Uzziah died, the the, 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 the Isaiah writes, I saw the Lord. My friend Jack says, yeah, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you see God's love all around you. And he says, He says, well, I guess. I said, you see it in me. And there's another pastor friend of mine that works very closely with me. You see it in him. And and when I said that, he said, wow. He says, you're right. 
And then, and then I went back and I said, now, and you see it in the resources that God has given you. And you, you see it in the, in the health that God has given you. And you see it in, in your ability to, to come from one part of the country to the other to, to see me. You, you see, you see, that's not being available to, that, that's not available. And he suddenly said, oh my God, I see it. That was his God sighting in that very moment. My goodness, the love of God became real. Look at it in the text here. We see God's, here's Isaiah's God sighting. It was in the year uh, that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Watch him describe the sighting. He was seated a uh, lofty throne on a life lofty throne and the train or his presence or his robe just filled the Jerusalem temple where I was and attending him was these mighty seraphims these mighty angels and and he describes the, the you know with six they had six wings and they were flying back and forth and and then he says they were calling out to each other holy and holy and holy that that that, that was their way of of reinforcing the fact that we're celebrating and worshiping and praising a God that is completely and profoundly Profoundly holy, uh, holy is the Lord of the heaven's army. And then, and then he says it was as though the walls of the temple backed up and, 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 and moved out of the way. And suddenly I discovered that, that, that the entire earth is God's temple. Watch it. And he says, and, and, and they were declaring that the whole earth is filled. Go back, go back. The whole earth is filled with his glory. He said, this is while I see God. And then go, go, go forward. Watch this. He says, woe is me. I'm, I'm ruined. I'm, another version says, I'm undone. And another, another way of saying it, I'm dead. He said, I'm dead. Listen, the next few verses talks about how he's, what a horrible sinner he is. And suddenly he realizes that. And then watch, watch this, the next verse. Go ahead, the next verse. And he says, and my, 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 and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. And, and what his implications is, there's no way in the world someone as simple as me can see God and live. And so he's expecting the judgment of God to come. But rather than the judgment of God coming, he experiences the revelation of God's love. No judgment comes. He's not stricken down. And suddenly everything that he's just experienced, he realizes, was a revelation of God's love. We always talk about how holy God's presence is and how holy God's power is. But do you know God's love is holy? And in that moment, he experienced God's holy love grabbing hold to him. That's what happened to Rhonda at 14 years old. That in the midst of that revival service, having here in the proclamation of how what God had done for her through Jesus Christ, reflecting back over her life, all of the challenges, all of the ups, all of the downs, she suddenly discovered that she, like Isaiah, come on now, that, 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 that Isaiah discovered that God was in the very room, the God of the universe. The whole earth was his simple, but God was in the room with Isaiah. And Rhonda discovered that God had been in every room and every situation that she had been in. And, and rather than condemning her, of striking her down that his love and his grace had remarkably and miraculously and supernaturally preserved her. His holy love had not rejected her, but embraced her. Wow. Oh, she had a God sighting. I'm just praying that as I teach it, as I preach today, that's the, that you're listening to me, that you're going to have a God sighting about how his holy love is active 
in your life too. God's holy love clarifies that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. This is a statement of profound and necessary humility. That's right. Humility. In order for God to fully have his way with your life and my life, this is not about personal condemnation. This is about humility. You know, from time to time, I I try to survey all of the various news channels because they all, you know, have their, you know, have their their stuff. Right. And so I, I, I watch Fox News and. And they're on Fox News. I listen to them as they remind all of their listeners that folk who are on CNN and MSNBC and uh, the progressive left, what great sinners they are. Then I go to CNN and I watch CNN and look, watch a little bit of MSNBC. And I listen as they remind all of their listeners how the folk that's on Fox News and, and the conservatives write, what great sinners they are. And each side, as they talk about the other, is so puffed up about their own self-righteousness. I know some of you are listening to me. You, whatever side you're on, you're saying, yes, that's right about the other side. But you know what God says? He says the transformation that's going to rescue this nation called America is the same transformation that's going to rescue you and that has rescued me starts with one basic admission. I'm the sinner that's in need of a savior. That's what Rhonda discovered. She was a sinner that's in need of a savior. Isaiah discovered he was the sinner. And we see it in the text, don't we? Here it is in the text. Woe to me, he says, for I'm a man of unclean lips, not them, me. I've lived among a people of unclean lips, not them. It's not just them. I've lived among them. I've, I've been engaged with them. I'm replicating their behavior in my, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. God's holy love doesn't just clarify, but it cleanses if we allow it. It cleanses as God's grace flows into our lives through what we call atonement, where God cancels the sin if we will let him. If we will let him. He says, I want to do this for you. Notice what happens here in the text. Here it is in the text. Then one of the seraphims, one of the, notice how the action here is initiated by God. It is as God says to the, to the angel, go do this. You know, Isaiah cannot cleanse himself. He can't fix himself. But God says, hey, you go do this. And so the seraphim, the angel flew, took a live coal from the, from the altar of sacrifice. That's where the coal came from. You know, that's where they would slay the lambs and that they would sacrifice as, a, as an atonement for the sins of the people, right? Perhaps some, the lamb had already been slain. Perhaps the smoke was still coming from the altar, you know, and, 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 and the angel took his tongue and took a coal from that the place of sacrifice, that place of atonement. Watch this. And it touched Isaiah's lips. And then he says to Isaiah, your guilt has been taken away. Your sin has been atoned for. And in that one act, you almost hear Thousands of years later, as, as Jesus comes down to the crowd coming to the Jordan River and, and uh, to be baptized, and John the Baptist sees him, and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Oh, that's just the claim for those of us who are Christians. We can almost hear the right of Peter, who was one of, of Jesus' first disciples. Right? He writes this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you. That's another wonderful word for atonement, from, save you from the empty life that you inherited. And it was not paid with myrrh, uh, silver, or 
Gold, next slide. It was not paid with myrrh, gold or silver, which loses its value. It was the, with the precious blood of Christ. Yes, it was Jesus who is the sinless, the spotless lamb of God. And, 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 and around that 14 years old, through the proclamation of the gospel, saw that great vision, came to realize that extraordinary truth for her life. And, and, and not only so her God shift happened because she had had a God sighting of God's love in her life. Amazing. And then comes this. God's holy love calls you know what happens? Veranda, she makes that declaration. I, I don't think she heard a voice that says, who will go for me? But the moment she realized that, that she had been grabbed hold to by God's holy love, the moment she realized that whatever she saw as her own sinfulness and brokenness had been atoned for, and that a fresh opportunity for life was now given to her, I don't know that she heard it in her ear, but I think her soul heard it. That her soul heard the the echo of the the God of eternity declaring, who will go for me? Who can I sin? And and, and almost involuntarily, uh, 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 Rhonda's soul cries out and she puts words to it. Lord, here am I, sin me. And she slips into that dangerous Praying posture, my heart says yes. And, and that sets in motion radical God shifts in her life as God has done some amazing things to her life. And you, you can almost hear the wheels of eternity begin to change as she says, God, listen, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. You, you, can, you, can, you can hear destiny beginning to shift and lock into different places. And two years later, God says, okay, I need you to leave the city of your birth, San Francisco, and go to the backwoods of Louisiana, the little town, the, the college called Grandin State University. And Rhonda's response was, my soul says yes. And, 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 and on the flight into uh, Louisiana, the Lord spoke to her. He says, on the first day, you're going to meet your husband. I'm sure her soul at that point, I don't know, but I suspect her soul uh, didn't just say yes, but said, yippee. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But Rhonda had one caveat. Listen, God, I come from generations of pastors. So whoever the guy is, just don't let him be a pastor. <laughs> God introduces her to me. We fall madly in love and God taps on the toe and says, oh, by the way, He's going to be a pastor. And then suddenly through tears and, and, and fear and, and all of the stuff she was trying to avoid, God declares, I need you. And Rhonda says, yes. And then years later, here she is at a master's degree, just a few hours away from a master's degree in education. And God taps on the shoulder and says, well, here's what I need from you. I need you to be a doctor. A doctor that, that I have no reference point, Rhonda would say, for, for being a doctor. I'm an African-American female. I don't know anybody. There's no doctors in our, in, in, in our family. And, and I don't, I, I've not even seen an African-American female in, in, in my context. For, for No, that's okay, but I need you. And, and, and Rhonda said, yes. 
Come on. Even till this present moment, of a year and a half ago or two years ago, just before COVID hit, God opened up this position and he kept pulling, kept pulling, kept pulling around and I don't want that. I don't want this. The hospital I'm working at such horrendous bureaucracy. No, I just want to take care of patients. But God reinforced and, 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 and no doubt she remembered. She said, God, if you can, if you show me and make it clear, I'll do it. He made it clear. And with tears and with pain and with great sacrifice, sacrifices, Rhonda said, yes. And so now when you see her and you say, as she celebrates another birthday, and you say, my goodness, how, how do you come from the, the rough streets of Western Edition in San Francisco through some of the difficulties of your early childhood to, be, to being a doctor and leading a medical department? And, and by the way, Rhonda, how is it possible for you to be a pastor's wife for almost 35 years and a mom and a, and a daughter and an aunt and a doctor? How do you do all of that stuff? And, and, and Rhonda would just simply say, well, through tears and sacrifice, my heart remain true to the commitment I made at 14 years old my soul says yes and God is saying that's what I want for you that's what we hear Isaiah after he realizes what God had done for him then he was able to hear. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord. I think the voice of the Lord had already been saying it. I think the voice of the Lord is saying it now. If you can just hear it, come on. If you can get out of your own way, come on. I, I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send and who will go forth? And Isaiah looked at what God had done through his Holy love grabbing him and transforming him and cleansing him. And by the way, this is not just a one-time process, right? Because as we, as we move through life, we will need God to regularly clarify the sin that's in our lives, cleanse us from the stain of sin that's in our lives, and help refocus us on a fresh, you know, on the newest dimension of his call, his God call for our living. And all he needs from you it's a soul that says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Yes, Lord. Completely. Yes. That's the process he needs to do in you. Open your heart and welcome it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it's time for you not just to watch, not just to reflect, but take a step towards Jesus. And the best way to do that is to engage with our connection card. It's in our Facebook chat. It's also on our website. It's also available through our NBCC app. And if you've got the app, just simply go to the Sunday section, the connection card uh, tab right there, and then tap on Next Steps with Jesus. And there you're going to have presented with your very first option, which is simply this. I want to f begin to follow Jesus today. If that's you, if that's the decision you're ready to make, radically change your life, check that option. Or maybe you want to return to your faith, or maybe you want more information. There are options for you to select. Now, here's the, here's the prayer that I have framed for our response to the message. And I'm hoping all of us will commit to pray this prayer this week. It's simply this. Come on, let's say it together. Lord, give me a heart that says yes. Now take your phone out and take a picture of this question that I want you to wrestle with. Our reflection question. Am I ready to adopt a posture of yes towards God? 
Why or why not?